Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. Friends, today we're, uh, we're going to conclude our series, I Love My Church. So we're, we're, so those of us who have the shirts are wearing the shirts. So, uh, and if, I, I need to let you know, if you've ordered a shirt, we're, they're coming. They're coming. We expect they're going to come Maybe arrive next week. Look for some information about that if you've ordered one of these shirts. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll gather again uh, and wear, wear the shirts together on the, uh, on the 23rd. Someone told me that uh, with the green and the red, it's sort of rocking a little Christmas here. So uh, I want to tell you that there's 76 shopping days. So um, 76. We're concluding the series, I Love My Church. We've spent four weeks digging deeply into what it means to really love our church. Not in the way that we might love a great restaurant or like we love going to the movies or despite all of their uh, shenanigans, how much we might love the Rangers. Um, next, wait till next year. Wait till next year. No, the love we're talking about for the, is for the, uh, for the church is an active, engaged love that has intention, has focus. We've discussed community connection and how we're in fellowship with, with each other and how we've knocked down those fences between us. Next, we covered serving how we help one another and the community by deploying our own superpowers, our spiritual gifts. Who can forget Pastor Jana in a cape? Yes. It's been memorable. We talk about giving and how we express our love for each other through generosity by developing a healthier and more balanced relationship with our stuff. And this morning, we're going to discuss how we share the love we have here to the community beyond these walls. This is really the fundamental issue. The series, the entire series points to this. How do people come to this new life in God? How do people hear and discover and come to experience God's kingdom? It's through love by sharing. The text this morning is a familiar one. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hello, my name is Spencer Seib, and I will be reading Matthew 5, through 13 through 16. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this earth. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to be open with God, this generous Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Spencer, for, for that reading today. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds to the movement of your Spirit among us this day. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. So, I've been thinking about this. What's your favorite restaurant? Anybody? Favorite restaurant? What? Okay. Others? Say again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Others? Favorite restaurant? Making you hungry just thinking about it, right? Ah. 
What makes it good? What makes it a place you want to go back to? You know, my wife, uh, Molly and I, we have a place we like to go when we're in New Orleans. We went there for our honeymoon back in 1983. And actually, I, when I mentioned this at the first service, someone else came up and like, when were you there? Because we were there in June. Well, we were there in May. We were there in May. And for us, NOLA is a special place. NOLA, New Orleans, Louisiana, NOLA. Now, you've probably heard of this place. It's kind of a tourista joint. It's definitely not fancy. It's always crowded, even at midnight. They only serve two things, beignets and café au lait, right? Café du Monde, yes, off Jackson Square in New Orleans is a special place. That's the, uh, the original, the, market, <clears throat> the marketplace one. If I close my eyes, I can smell the coffee and the beignets. I can hear hundreds of people enjoying each other's company and those precious little squares of fried dough. You know, every culture has its fried dough. It's like a French sopapilla, okay? You have to think, think about that. The servers are always moving, and there's powdered sugar in the air all, the, all over the place. So you walk into the Café du Monde, and you just powdered sugar everywhere. What's, what makes the Café du Monde memorable? Well, for us, it's, it's the little squares of fried dough. And the feeling we have of being there, it feels comfortable. It's, it's in New Orleans, right? So it's kind of funky. It's kind of real. You know, your feet stick to the floor just a little bit. Yeah. It's the taste, and it's the atmosphere. Quintessential, New Orleans. Maybe it's the same for you when you think about your favorite place to eat. Taste and atmosphere, that's what makes the difference. And I think that's what Jesus had in mind here. Hang in there with me. This passage from Matthew comes immediately after Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he gives us the Beatitudes, you know, the holy imperatives. Blessed are, for they will. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We're in the message. I really like this. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. And you're blessed when you show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. After Jesus teaches the assembled multitude essentially, essentially by endorsing a set of attitudes and actions and mindsets and behaviors that are really countercultural, he then uses the metaphor of salt and light to indicate how people are to live, how we are to live. Jesus is preparing the people to activate the dominion of God in earth, to offer the kingdom experience to the world. So if taste and atmosphere make the restaurant experience, we the church, by being the salt and the light, make the community of Jesus come alive for the world. We are what is distinctive. What a beautiful metaphor. Elegant and practical. Doesn't salt make all the difference in a dish? I mean, can you imagine popcorn without salt? Anyone like salt on their watermelon? Anybody do that? 
Yeah, I got some hands. Hard-boiled egg. Eat a hard-boiled egg. How about summertime tomato out of the garden? You know, not one of those ones that feels like a softball that came in on a truck from somewhere and, you know, bred to be durable. No, more of a tomato from the garden. A little salt on that? Doesn't salt bring out the best of the taste? And we're not even going to talk about low-sodium food because, oh, cardboard, you know, low-sodium. Salt is also a preservative. In ancient times, it could be a currency, a means of exchange. Highly valued, very precious. Sought after. You know, the word salary comes from the Latin word for salt. And if you're, uh, you know, if you're really productive in what you're doing and you're of value to the organization, you're said to be worth your salt. And salt is also necessary for life, right? We, despite all the controversy about too much salt or whatever, if we stopped eating salt, we would be in trouble because salt helps us maintain electrolyte balance. It also helps us from getting dehydrated. Old Coach Brooks from the seventh grade football team at Horace Mann Junior High in San Antonio used to pass out those salt pills, and we, we needed them, right? Anybody play football in August in Texas? Jesus said we're valued, we preserve what is good in an otherwise bland and rotting world we are necessary to bring the world this new life in Christ that was salt what about light light penetrates the darkness even the smallest light can be seen from an incredible distance when the darkness is deep and the light of a single candle can be seen for over a mile and a half in pitch darkness Actually, 1.71 miles, according to the Aggie experiment, Aggie astronomer's experiment that I looked up, so it must be true. A solitary candle piercing the darkness. These next pictures show another aspect of light. These are recent pictures from the James Webb Space Telescope. This is light from millions of years ago. These are galaxies that are so beyond where we are, but that light, the light is enduring. It's powerful. It overcomes the deep darkness of space. And you know, of course, light also encourages growth and is necessary for life. So Jesus says, we are the light of the world where the forces of darkness seem to never rest, never take a day off. Through God's grace, we have been transformed. God's light shines in us and through us to brighten a dark and disturbed world. As salt and light, we bring the taste and the radiance of the Jesus community to the world so that the world will come to know God, to be transformed, to experience life abundant. The life that Paul says really is life. So it's like this. If things are looking a little dark lately, what are, what are we doing to bring the light? If the rot of the world is getting us down, how much salting, salting have we done? Not assaulting, just salting. When we intentionally love one another and when we intentionally use our gifts and live out the love of God toward one another and to the world outside of these walls, We're salting the bland, bringing light to the darkness. You know, saying, I love my church, it's great, but it isn't just about us. 
It doesn't just impact us. It's about everyone outside the walls. In fact, you could say, and I will say, it's the whole point. So how does this happen? Let's get practical. How do we be the salt and the light? Three ways. Three. Three ways. To bring the I love my church experience to our culture. Number one, people will experience Jesus' community when we live its values. When we live its values. Being salt and light is more about what we enact than what we espouse. What we say has value. Of course it does. But what we do is the salt and the light. We're talking about our values here. What are we talking about? Meekness, offering comfort, seeking righteousness, showing mercy, pursuing purity, making peace. It's how we live. Any parents here this morning? Parents? I don't know what your experience has been, but when my wife and I were raising our daughter, Kate, we noticed Kate paid a lot closer attention to what we did than what we said. You know, kids are really good at finding that little space between what you say and what you do as a parent, right? They know. They have an instinct. Well, what we do is also important. It's the important aspect of bringing the Jesus experience, bringing the Jesus community into the world. The early church folks were called the people of the way. The way was Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life, that's from John. It's the way we live that is the salt and the light. And we're showing the world the way. It kind of, it's kind of an awesome responsibility if you think about it. It's the way that leads the world to transformation. The Beatitudes, showing mercy, hungering for righteousness, making peace. The second way now, living the values is a day-to-day process in ordinary life, a day-to-day process. Have you ever mistakenly used too much salt in a dish? It's kind of hard to undo, isn't it? I know you're supposed to stick potatoes in there and there's, you know, there's all this kind of stuff you're supposed to do. Well, I was involved in an office potluck once. So we had an office of about 30 people and we were having Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And I decided I would volunteer to make the dressing. We had a pretty good dressing recipe at home. It made, made dressing for about six, and so I needed to make it for about 30. So I just multiplied everything by five, including the salt. And this massive tray of dressing that looked really good was inedible. Too much salt. Well, that's my way of pointing out that it's the little things we do, the subtle things we do, the common, don't make a big deal about it, things that we do that matter as we are the salt that seasons and doesn't overwhelm. It's, it's exactly the opposite of being, a, being like one of those street preachers. We had a street preacher when I was... Uh, when I was at Ohio University in Athens, there was a guy named Brother Jed. Brother Jed was famous in the Midwest. He basically would line everybody up and tell them they were all going to hell. That was, that was his message. Woo, really inviting, eh? No, so my point is that, you know, 
telling folks how bad they are and how sinful they are and that, and that they're going to the bad place, that, you know, that's really not, that's not what I'm talking about. Too much salt, too much heat, not enough light. Living the values we have in traffic, at the gym, at the office, in the, at the, when you're taking the dog to the dog park, in the classroom, on the golf course, that's where the salting and the lighting happens. The people we encounter as we go about our day will experience the kingdom from us in the normal, the routine. And in those moments, the normal becomes extraordinary as people taste and see from us that the Lord is good. Paul told the church in Rome, in Romans 12.1, from the message now, so here's what I want you to do. This is Paul talking. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. The third way. Those who have experienced Jesus will help others experience Jesus. How does the text put it? Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. Our interconnectedness with our friends, our acquaintances, our colleagues, our families, and even and perhaps more particularly our enemies. Oh, Jesus, you make it, you're making it hard. Love your enemies? That's how we can be the lamp on the lampstand. The things we do at Stonebridge to equip us for life in the world, worship and holy communion and small groups and Bible studies, these are important, they're significant, but they're not the in the entire point. These activities prepare us to be in relationship with people in the world. If our circle of friends and acquaintances includes only those among, among us at church, that's, I mean, that's a nice foundation, but we're in a sense hiding our light under a bushel basket. We are weakening the seasoning because in the first message of this series, we read in John 13, 35, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. Everyone. When they see the love you have for each other. How can Everyone recognize our love if we're not in relationship with people in the world. The world that in John 3.16 says God loves. So here's the thought exercise. If Stonebridge ceased to exist tomorrow, who beyond these walls would notice? Would the neighborhood notice? Would McKinney notice? Would Collin County notice? Would Juarez notice? The evidence, friends, of salting and lighting is to consider what service would be undone, whom would be unloved, injustices that would endure, the rough places that would not be made plain if we were not engaged and we were not involved, being the salt and the light. This entire sermon series is focused on our collective roles in the body of Christ, the church, as we engage with and in the world for its transformation, it is through connecting and serving and giving and sharing that transformation can and must happen. It's the only way it will. And in our space where we walk, we are the ones 
who with Christ's help can make that happen. To paraphrase words attributed to St. Teresa, 16th century uh, mystic, Christ has no body now but ours. No hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands, ours are the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but ours. So how do we do this? Well, we've had a to-do list for each of these messages in the series, and so here is the action plan for today and beyond. Number one, engage. Engage. Where is it? Be aware of where you can plug in, particularly with those superpowers, right? Is it your book club? Is it with your golf buddies? Is it in the pickleball league? I heard pickleball is really big. Any pickleball players out there? Yeah, okay. Maybe you're on a board of a nonprofit. Maybe you engage in some issues, advocacy. Where do you engage? Think about that. Let me tell you a special way to engage. This is a, just remember, we have an election coming up. And the last day to register for vote, to vote in this coming election is October 11. That's Tuesday. Christians are engaged in the world. Would never tell you how to vote, but I will tell you. Go vote. That was free. Engage. Connect. With whom can you build relationships? Once you're engaged, how do you connect with people? Loving like Jesus means relationships and friendships and reaching out. I know all you introverts are going, oh, really? Ooh, yes, you can do it. As a fellow introvert, I can tell you, you can do it. Connecting with people. The other aspect of connecting is how does your engagement connect with your faith? Friends, we're Christians all the time and everywhere. Ours is not a compartmentalized faith that we pick up off the, you know, pick up off the off the shelf on Sunday and come and, you know, and then say, ta-da, here we are, and then you go put it on the shelf. No, we're Christians all the time and everywhere. So how do we connect what we're doing and engage in with our faith? Engage, connect. Notice, notice where the bland and the rotten need a little salt. Where does the dark and the dismal need a little bit of light? Where can your Christian influence make things better? Be aware of your opportunities. They're there. They're there. And then finally, act. Act with with balance. Remember, it's just a pinch of salt. It's just a candle, okay? It's not a bucket full of salt and a Q-beam. You know what a Q-beam is? Any of my hunting friends know what a Q-beam is? A Q-beam is a very bright light, okay? A very bright, very bright. Just a candle. Maybe you need to move the conversation away from an argument toward a discussion. Maybe seeking a common, edifying, holy solution instead of settling for a standoff. Maybe advancing those left out and left behind. Confronting Racist and sexist and homophobic banter, you know, not just sitting silently and letting that stuff pass, hoping they'll knock it off on their own. Maybe doing a little justice. 
You know, friends, if you're tired of the rancor and the sarcasm and the meanness, know that with Christ's help, we can make things better. If you're weary of the lack of justice for those with less, those who are seen as other, those who somehow always seem to end up on the short end of the stick, know that with Christ's help, we can make things better. If you're unsatisfied with a neighborhood, a city, a state, a nation, a world that seems at best indifferent to the way of the cross, know that with Christ's help, we can make things better. Yes, we can make things better. We're the only ones who can. For Christ has no body now on earth but ours. We are the hands, we are the feet, we are the eyes. We are his body. Let us live into it. Let it be so. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you have called us salt. You have called us light. Today, you call us to act. We are ready to be recognized through our everyday walking around lives as your disciples. Engage us, enable us, empower us to be your very self at work in the world. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.